Welcome to the Bucky Cast, episode 12. This is Justin here with John and Ryan. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. It's been a while. We've been out of the, the office for about a week and a half now, so it's good to, to see you guys and talk some Badger sports. We've been we've been out of the uh, the virtual office, yeah. Yeah. you know, because we're not all we're not we're not say, all in a room. Lovely together. office. There's John's or uh, Ryan's is effectively the spare bedroom, and John's in his basement. So. In my in let's 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 call it what it is. It's the it appears to be a um, dungeon. Down yeah, here with badger stuff. The lighting is super so, sketchy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. I didn't build it. All right, boys, what are we drinking tonight? So I am about about done with my double IPA and my next beer that I'm going to be cracking because we always go through a couple beers uh, during the show. One beer is never enough to get through the full hour of rants and and arguments that we have. So I'm just and monologues and and monologues. As as our our select group of listeners know, the monologues can also happen. So uh, the next beer I'm going to crack into is a pale ale called Dwell from my local brewery. It is um, a very smooth drinking beer. Perfect for a podcast or an evening on the porch watching the stars. So that's going to be my next one. And John, I'll kick it over to you. I, uh, you know, I started off with this Holes Hocker Lager from Bull Falls. As everyone who has ever listened to this podcast knows, my favorite brewery up in Wausau. Uh, Lighter lager, just, you know, pretty standard beer. Um, uh, Now I'm moving on to uh, my favorite beer, uh, the Bull Falls Midnight Star Schwartz beer, the the black beer, dark beer that drinks like a light. But uh, I'm also a uh, glutton for punishment, and at some point I may pop open from Left Hand Brewing, and I haven't tried this yet, so I shouldn't shouldn't, uh, diss it. It's a peanut butter cup milk stout, which if anyone listened to the last podcast, um, that was what undid me the last time. So I'm going (laughs) to save this for the very last. This is the desperation beer. Left hand brewing. Good place. Um, I didn't buy this beer. It was given to me by somebody up north. And so I feel the obligation to drink it because you should never waste beer. This is true. Justin, go ahead. What what were you drinking? I have been working through an assortment trying to clear out my fridge. I have now successfully completed the Sagatuck Brewing peanut butter porters. And I'm working my way through through those. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't suffer, man. I just kept buying beer. So I kept having new things to try. Oh, I thought those were the bad. That was the, no, that wasn't the bad one. You didn't know the, the, one. the other one. The other one still has five sitting in my fridge. At some <laughs> point I'm going to start working through them. And I'm, you know, that might be when I, you'll see me sitting there. That's the belching beer beaver milk stout, peanut butter milk stout from someplace in California. And one thing I learned from that is I'm not necessarily sure people in California know how to make beer. Oh my god! Oh no! That we might be a hot take. Can- we just lost all of our California <laughs> listeners. I think there's two of them. Uh, the last time I'm we looked, sorry. At them. <laughs> they're both gone I'm now. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry if I've offended the two of you that are out there. We'll send you nothing because I don't have any. They sent us nothing. But anyways, I'm drinking a blue bobber, blueberry ale again. I have a couple more of those to finish off, and yeah, I don't drink very often. But these these are pretty much my uh, relaxing get through the podcast i need i need the go juice for the uh the ranting and get justin all liquored up and then have him go off on tangents it's what i do it helps that i'm i'm always drunk so i always sound this way no matter what this is your state I'm used to it exactly <laughs> on that note we'll go ahead and we're going to move on to news and notes for the week uh i'm going to kick it over to john here and what do you got for us bud you know, first of all, Wisconsin women's soccer managed to finish uh, 23rd in the country and somehow not get invited into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm not sure how that really happened. A bunch of teams behind them got invited, but I'm not going to complain about that too much. I leave that to Minnesota. Uh, so anyway, they finished in the top 25. Good for the girls. Uh, they had the uh, goalkeeper of the year. Uh and now I can't remember her name. Fortunately, we have Ryan to do research on Google. On it. Um, it's jo- I want to say it's Jordan. Uh, hold I'm on, hold s- on. Slaughter her name here. Jordan Bloomer? 
goalkeeper. It's searching. Jor- yep, Jordan uh, Bloomer. You you nailed it. Jordan Bloomer. Okay, uh, she did a great job. Uh, the swagger she showed uh, on penalty kicks against Northwestern a couple weeks ago were legendary. Stopping a couple of penalty kicks and then showing some swagger. And then the other news and notes, the big one, women's volleyball. They made it interesting uh, on, I believe it was Monday. Was it Monday? It was Tuesday. Was it Was it yep. only yesterday? No, it was not last night. It was Monday. We're was losing Monday? track of time here on the right. Bucketcast right. podcast. I... Heavy, slow news cycle. Uh, this is what happened when you guys get me on all the beer before we start rolling. Yeah, here. well, you should have left me with the actual accurate day but anyway uh so on monday they made it interesting uh went to five sets with the florida gators but prevailed and i will be the first to admit i was already writing their obituary uh when they were down nine six in that fifth set i thought man this is disappointing to be the number one team in the country all year and to just utterly dominate and then lose before you even get to the final four I felt like a Gonzaga fan for a minute. And then, um, you know, they came back and they pulled it out. Um, Epic comeback. Dana Rutke at the end just absolutely took control and said, I am not going out this way. You know, they're moving on to the final four. They play Texas. This will not be easy. Texas is really good. Uh, I watched them play. And if they get past Texas, they have to contend probably with Kentucky. And Kentucky's no shrinking violet either. No, Kentucky is very athletic. I watched a little bit of that match after our match. Um, They bring power. They really come at the net. I will say this. The team did not play well in that match against Florida. They did not not have their best game. I'm not sure how much of that was caused by Florida. I think there was a lot of mishits and just unforced errors where they hit a lot of balls long where I think they were pressing a little bit. I do think that they can play much, much better than that. Um, so I look forward to them really stepping it up and, and coming to play against Texas. I think they needed that wake-up call, and I'm glad it happened against a team that they were able to handle still because, yeah, there's going to be a couple teams after watching Florida and seeing Kentucky play. Kentucky's definitely a team that I'm, I'm more afraid of than what we saw from Florida. So I, I was watching the volleyball match, and I am a complete volleyball novice, but it is awesome. For those of you who are just kind of fans of the traditional big sports, basketball, football, baseball, competitive women's volleyball is incredible to watch when you have a rooting interest. Yes. They are so, good athletes. So excited. I will say this. I'm going to read this. This is something Justin or John sent in our text, and I thought my Hulu had paused, and I was like behind the match. And I quote, this is, this is when the, this was very much still up in the air. Are you, are you calling me out? (laughs) You're freaking calling me out. Listen, listen, I, at this point he sent this and I thought that my Hulu, my internet. You're not allowed to quote me. That was a private communication. Okay. I won't quote you. I will say this. I won't quote you. I will say this. I got a message from John who seemed to indicate that the match was over. <laughs> and I thought, I thought I was it, was, sure. it was, it was, like he was drunk and emotional. In the fifth set, I was not way, drunk. I was, was emotional. He was, he was Here's the other thing too. I'm Let watching, him have his moment. I'm watching the, the match and I know so little about volleyball. I don't even know what they play to. To, even now, I, I don't know. I don't know what the game point is, right? So I'm twenty five for all sets except the fifth. So which I'm is watching 15. the fifth set, and I have no idea they're playing to fifteen. I have no clue, right? So they hit Besides that. 15. People telling you at the match that it's going to. Be no, I'm not really 15. listening to them. I'm really not. I'm, but I'm watching it. I'm literally watching Good it. Good thing too, because those announcers were off. Yeah. And they hit. They get the fifteenth point. And everybody in Wisconsin, you know, rushed the floor because they won. I had no idea what was happening. I thought it was like a review or a brawl. I was like, what is going on? They just started beating each other up. I thought they were going to get into a brawl. I had no idea. They just went to the hit each other. No they scored a point. But it is phenomenal to watch. I was so excited. Um, I was like, I wasn't quite as, um, like, again, because I, I don't know the sport well because I've never watched it. But it is so much fun to get into and watch. And I encourage everybody to to jump in at the Texas match and really, really it follow is, along. It is, it is the hidden team sport. And at Wisconsin, it has become big time. Uh, they regularly sell out the field house and the field house is not, it is, it, it's not a small venue. Very, very well too. So yes. And their recruiting is phenomenal. Kelly doesn't go anywhere. Kelly Sheffield. Don't jinx it, man. I'm knocking on wood right now. Kelly Sheffield deserves a huge raise uh, for what he's done for Wisconsin women's volleyball. He, and it wasn't like Wisconsin's women, women's volleyball was terrible before he got here. 
they had their ups and downs, but they were still pretty good. Um, he has taken them to a whole new stratosphere of being a dominant power in the Big Ten, which is already a great women's volleyball conference. And he's taken them up there to the level of a Nebraska or a Penn State or a Minnesota, teams that have been there and won national championships. So that, I feel, is the next natural step. Whether it happens this year, God, I hope it happens this yes. year. We will find out. Those uh, the, the, the ladies on that team have just been phenomenal. Dana Retke is a four-time First team All American, one of six in the history of NCAA Division One oh, women's volleyball, and uh, she didn't even. I saw an interview with her. She didn't even seem to think it was that big of a deal. So <laughs> that just goes to show. And they placed, I think, four other um, women on the on either first, second, or honorable mention All America. You know, kudos to the women's volleyball team. They have really shown out for Wisconsin. Hey guys, we're going to take a real quick break right here, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Bucky Cast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bucky Cast or email the show at thebuckycast at gmail.com. Welcome back, guys. Uh, moving on to the new news for basketball for the men's team. Three big things happening this week. Um, they would be the signing of Marcus Ilver, the transfer of Jacoby Neath, and Brad Davison returning to the men's basketball team for his second senior year. Um, we're going to go ahead and start off with Mark Silver here. I don't know how you two feel about him. He is a guy who is kind of a wild card for the recruiting class. A guy I feel pretty strongly who might have the highest ceiling out of the guys we're bringing in. There's a lot of untapped potential with him. He's a 6'8 kid, about 205, who's lanky side, who has a lot of physical development ahead of him yet, which I think opens a lot of doors. Reminds me a little bit of... Franz Wagner over at uh, Michigan. Um, I think with some muscle, he could become even more athletic than he currently is. And I think he already has a pretty solid first step and he has some, he can definitely get above the rim, which is not something after watching uh, Ford this year is not something that was a strong suit for him. So he definitely brings a different skill set to it. Let's not cut on the dead. Come on. Lean Ford graduate. He Um, he played some good ball for us at times. So some some measurables for Marcus Ilver, and we're not even sure we're pronouncing his name correctly, but I'm sure we'll find out eventually. Um, he, is a, he is a 6'8 forward out of Estonia, uh, the first European recruit we've had since, I believe, Andy Van Fleet. Uh, so he doesn't have a high bar to overcome in terms of being the next great European player on the Wisconsin basketball team. Um, and he's uh, he's athletic. He's athletic enough to uh, get around guys and get to the basket and dunk. He's also got a pretty good three-point stroke. Um, it's escaping me where he played prep ball here in the U.S. But um, it was in Ohio, I believe it was in Ohio. Um, but he certainly uh, looks to be a, a, a solid, um, a solid swing forward. Um, for Wisconsin, he definitely has a, a little bit of hops hop to him. And um, I, I like the signing. Uh, it's one of those under the radar kind of signings that Wisconsin has traditionally turned into a, a pretty solid player. So we'll see where that goes. But I was I was happy to get him. I think he fits the mold of what modern basketball has become. He's a forward who who can hit threes, who can switch defensively and who can theoretically attack the rim. So if you look at the last two, you guys mentioned uh, Andy Van Vallee, but there's also Duye Dukan. Dukan, you, you mentioned the last couple uh, European players. The issue with those two is they really struggled attacking the rim, and they struggled with the physicality of basketball in the Big Ten. He's already he's already more good. And I think, yeah, I agree. I think if you watch the film, he already has the ability to finish in the paint, finish above the rim. He brings an athletic explosiveness that those two didn't while retaining the ability to stretch the defense and shoot the three. So I think the versatility – oh, go ahead. Is he the next Luka Doncic? Probably. I would put, <laughs> yes. I would yes. think that's probably yes. likely. He's, he's going to be a top five NBA player, no doubt. he's probably the next <laughs> NBA superstar that comes through Wisconsin. Um, I, if, if you're looking at it, if you're looking at a skill set, he's kind of a poor man's Decker. He's he's not that athletic, but it's it's similar in terms of than Decker, too. Thing. Yeah. Well, Decker grew. Decker was 6'8 when he got here. He was 6'10 by the time he left. Um, I think he could become a better shooter than what Decker was by the time he left. Cause I think Decker was very streaky 
Um, but I think Decker was clearly more athletic. Um, I think Ilver can be worst case scenario for him is he becomes a nice, he's definitely a three point threat is athletic enough to stay out there and defend. I don't know if he'll ever be an above average defender, but I think he can be a guy who is at least isn't going to be a, a negative on the defensive end. Um, I think his ceiling is his ceiling is he could potentially end up being the best player on the team. Yeah. I think he has upside. That's unique. I, I, I would hesitate a little bit calling his worst, his worst case scenario, a good shooter. Like his worst case scenario is always he washes out. Well, I'm, I'm saying he's a rotational player in worst case scenario. This isn't a guy who's going to be nothing. Uh, you, he's uh, guy every who, recruit has the possibility to be nothing is what I would say. And calling him saying he might be the best player on the team. That might be, that might be going a little too far. I'm saying that's a ceiling. I'm not saying that that's where he's going to get. I'm saying he has the right, skill set right. where that there's potential there to be, to achieve that. I mean, we, we talk about the other guys coming in out of this class. Um, if we go into it and dig into it, I think Ryan has said that he, he feels Bowman has a, a more defined ceiling than some of these other guys do. Hepburn, I feel like he, he has a pretty good ceiling. He definitely – he's the guy I expect to be the best player out of the group, but I don't see him being – like, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be an All-American. I think he'll be a very good player, but I don't necessarily see that out of him. And Moore's – he could be the same guy as freshman year that he's going to be a junior or senior. I mean, he might end up being a guy who averages 10 and five or six his freshman year and is averaging 13 and seven by the time he's a senior. I mean, I think we all like Ilver though, right? Like we, we all think that this is a, a signing that has upside and versatility. I don't think he there's was, any Badger signee uh, in this current this class, class that we, that we are like, why did we get that? I don't guy? feel like anybody was a stretch. When when we picked up Trice and Ford, I was kind of apprehensive with those two. Trice proved me wrong. He his, his senior year, he was great. Even Ford was even fine. If, even I mean, not to go on a tangent, but he Ford was, was fine. but he but but he but when you look at it, when you're looking at a class that they're coming in and you watch the film of them in high school, and this is where I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what they did here. I'm talking about what they were as high school players. You could see that they the ceiling wasn't super high. Let's let's not dig any deeper into the Aleem Ford rabbit hole because it's it, first of all it's really shallow right now and I'd like to keep it that way. It's also a rabbit hole we've been uh, down that's already. Fair. That's that's fair. Yes. That's fair. That's fair. So should we go to um, the Wake Forest yeah. transfer? Yeah, Jacoby. Neath. Yeah, the, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll talk yeah. a little Jacoby Neath. So that, this is another guy, another guy who brings a lot of athleticism. The one thing you can say is that it appears that. Guard is taking much more risk on athleticism. So yeah, Jacoby Neat, uh, Wake Forest. Not not just to make sure everyone's on the same page here. Uh, transferred in for Wake Forest has three years left of eligibility. Uh, had a strong freshman year. Struggled a little bit last year. Admittedly, he had a coaching change, and last year was a strange year and for COVID. and stra- last year COVID was a strange issue. year for everybody in general. But his freshman year, he shot forty eight percent from three. He's played fifty games in the ACC. Has nine starts. Um, if you, if anybody wants to go out there and look, he has some YouTube highlights and some, just some dunk highlights in pregame of very impressive athleticism. He's a six, three guard. He's got good muscle. Um, six, three or six, four. I have six, three. I've heard, I've heard either. Okay. Well, yeah, regardless, six, he's four, a 200. He's put on good weight. He's, a, he's, a, he's a bigger, he's a bigger guard. With which plus Wisconsin has, yes, he's, which he's, Wisconsin he's has definitely combo. lacked recently. He's not a point. He's a combo for sure. He's a guy they're going to slide between the one and the two, I think here, which, which brings up the, you know, the question, it's, it's some interesting things there from a roster composition standpoint, what, where we're going to see some of these young players play and the minutes and everything, but that's another story for another day. Kid looks like he's got a lot of athleticism and he looks very raw yet. And it's, I think there's some development. Has to improve his ball fair. handling. Yeah, Has to sure. do that. that. That's the number one thing for him. If I think he's a guy who has the strength and explosiveness that if he can tighten up his handle can really be a problem taking on most of the guards, even in the big 10, um, because he does have really good size and strength. It looks like, and unlike, I mean, who's the last guard that has his kind of frame that we had here. Jordan Taylor did not have his explosiveness. No, and he's Jordan a little Taylor shorter. Was also too. shorter yeah. and wasn't as athletic. I mean, but so, he had oh. that, he had that build. If you're looking he for a bigger build athletic guy, it's almost like a Khalil Iverson who was a little bigger, but yeah. he was shorter and as super athletic. I think, I mean, this is obviously, this is a project, right? Let's be yeah. honest. He I mean, is. he was a guy who struggled last year with Wake Forest. He's never averaged more than four or five points a game. But there's a lot of I, tools there that are interesting. And I also here's 
you're hoping that he figures it out in a click. Here's here's he's my got here's my base. Uh, is he better than Trevor Anderson? Yes. Yeah. Then we've already improved. Oh, I'm happy. I will say this: I think Anderson, to an extent, had a better handle. Okay, uh, that That's, that may be true. But he was and athletically limited. Which this is this is this is from the perspective of um, and I'm not a Trevor Anderson hater anymore. I was at one time. I'm not anymore. Um, Trevor Anderson uh, wound up transferring to, I believe, Valparaiso. So um, if we're replacing him with a guy who transferred in from Wake Forest, even if it's a bad ACC program, they're still probably better than Valparaiso. Here's the point point that I want to make on him and where where the difference is there is that you could rely on Anderson to bring the ball up. I'm not necessarily sure I'm super comfortable with Neath bringing the ball up right now in that role. He's not a guy I really want playing as the lead guard because I don't think his handle's great. And let's great wait until he can actually play a game. And that's so, true. That might be the thing they say. Hey, this is your goal. We want you really leaning on your ball handling here in the you know the time between the season and now. Um, so let's hopefully let's this I'd too. love to see him. Type. Yeah, let's say this too. This is um, when you look at transfers coming into Wisconsin. Great guard is seemingly targeted people of multiple years like we we really haven't gone after that guy who has one year you look at um you know micah potter uh lindsey coming in from unlv and now you have um neath coming in from wake forest all these guys have multiple multiple years so i think this is a guy guard probably looks at as the athletic abilities there and i have three years to mold him into a rotation piece and if that's all he ever is by the way if all he ever is is an athletic wing that can crash the boards for a guard um d up with a lot of different people and provide some athletic juice that's a win like that's all you get from him that's a win and maybe his maybe he develops into the best version of himself in which case we have a really good shooting athletic combo guard and that's super valuable at the college level Khalil Iverson would sometimes do that you know he would do a thunderous dunk like a really good dunk and that would pump up the team if Neath can provide that spark that's all I'm looking for from Neath anything else we get is gravy and those are the moments that we haven't really had with these teams of late we haven't An had anybody that can, really get this, that can really get them to to have that moment that brings them together um it's basically three pointers we get on a streak with threes and the guys start to get pumped up we had that in 2015 and 2014 when we had decker and frank and nigel dunking consistently and there were big moments because there were so many guys to show on or double on that we would get dunks and stuff like that, or we would ISO too. We had guys who could actually ISO and score. And even the Johns, we're though, getting back. Like to Iverson some of did that. Things. Iverson had a had a reverse uh, tomahawk dunk against Michigan State. He would dunk off inbound passes, and that stuff. The, the the energy and the juice from that's palpable. You can see it in the team. It is, and we haven't had a lot of that recently. Well, anyways, guys, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Bucky Cast, where in-state recruiting includes Minnesota. Welcome back, guys. We're moving on to Brad Davison's return to the men's basketball team. Uh, big news. This is a huge get, I think, at least the three of us feel here. Having somebody back in the backcourt that actually has some experience. Um, I was hesitant to have him back, and I still am to a point. I, I'm not super comfortable with Brad coming back and getting 30 minutes a game. Um, but I do think it's a big deal, given the youth in our backcourt, that they have somebody who can show them how to play, show them what's expected from the level of play, and have somebody that they feel like they can go to, you know, to kind of show them the way, more and or less. And this is all predicated on him not taking minutes away from um, from Jonathan Davis, for example, who we expect to play small forward. I'm pretty sure we all expect him to play the role of small forward uh, swingman uh, this coming year. Um, Davison brings, you know, he, he was a primary ball handler at one point in his career. He can do that if needs be, um, experienced guard. There were rumors, rumors flew around of, uh, players not happy that he was coming back. I, I really honestly don't know why he was very openly communicative with the team about the fact that he was coming back. So hopefully that all gets smoothed over, but. In terms of leadership, I mean, Davison's got that that uh, gene in him of, of leading from the front. 
and Wisconsin is going to be sorely lacking in that category until the freshmen can really stamp their personality on the team. So I look at this as a net positive and uh, hopefully uh, with a little bit of a re- maybe hopefully reduced workload or at least not having to carry anything um, that Brad Davison has a has a rebound year in terms of his production and his shooting because uh, he really he really was not playing at his best until the very end of the season. I don't even I, I looked at this as a to me and not to be disrespectful to anybody, but I looked at this as just an obvious positive, not even just kind of a net positive. I, I looked at the the guards we had coming in, the lack of experience, what Brad Davidson does. Um, to me, this is just all a home run addition to to add someone with his defensive uh, intensity, his experience. His ability to admit shoot. it, Ryan. Admit it, Ryan. You just want to be able to mispronounce his name a few more times. Listen, I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. It didn't matter if he came back next year or not. So here, let me let me ask you guys a couple questions because I got a really quick buy or sell for you on a just a couple questions. And I'm just going to kick it to each of you, and we'll do this really quickly. Uh, I'm buying. Buy or sell? An emergency buyer. Davidson returning next year. If he was the out of all the seniors that left last year, Davidson is the best. If only one person returned, Davidson is the best option for Wisconsin basketball. I would – I'm going to sell on that when you turn me into a seller. Because if Micah Potter had come back, I feel like that would have been a more impactful return because Wisconsin is going to be so thin on experience in the front court. And despite Micah Potter's uh, defensive struggles, Micah Potter could throw it down. I just he he wasn't he wasn't the perfect stretch five, but he was at least good enough that he could show the other guys the way. We are entirely reliant now until unless we get a grad transfer that we have no clue that we're going to get, play the stretch five or stretch four and show these other kids how it's done. Ben Carlson barely had a cup of tea. Stephen Crowell barely had a cup of tea. Um, I have much more confidence in Wisconsin's young perimeter players than I do in their young. Uh, front in their young front court players, so I'm going to sell on that. I, I'm going to sell. I'm going to. I'm going to take a slightly different perspective on this. Um, I do think that there is one way you can buy on this, and that's from a leadership standpoint. I think his intangibles are probably the best you could ask coming back in terms of what he brings, in terms of how badly he wants it. But I think both Potter and Trice would have been, from an actual talent standpoint, and what they bring on the courts would have been more beneficial to this team if we're looking at it in terms of what they would bring to help this team win. I would not have, I would not have gone with Demetri Trice as, as a bring back. I was, I was fine with Demetri Trice moving on. I just assumed he wouldn't come back. Yeah. I think we were all assuming he wouldn't come back. And I honestly think Demetri Trice had reached his, his, had reached the pinnacle of his college career. So I agree with with you on that. Yeah. With Brad Davison, you can argue a fifth year for Brad Davison is not, out of the question. Well, you're hoping and a sixth back. year, a sixth year for uh, Demetri Trice would have been weird. And Davidson can play off the ball. Trice was never going to be able to play off the ball. Like, so if you want the young perimeter guys to play, like Hepburn and Bowman, and really handle the ball, so I, I would disagree with you guys. I would buy on this. I think, I think Davidson is the guy to, out of that group to come back because I think the guards are even more inexperienced in the front court. All right, next one, really quick. Uh, we won't do all the ones I had because this we don't want this to run too long. Um, buy or sell? Brad Davidson will be the primary ball handler next year, meaning he will he will have the ball in his hands more than Hepburn or Bowman. That is, I think that the two young guys. I think Hepburn's going to be the lead guard. I think Bowman will probably be combo, and I think Davidson's probably going to be playing the two. He probably still will handle it a fair amount, but I don't think that he's going to be guys relied on to be the ball guys we got a transfer in who was a point guard so number one we've got two guys who are point guards in high school although i don't know if they played quarterback and in, brad, in high right school. and brad davidson was a um, point guard in high school <laughs> brad davidson played wide receiver in high school but <laughs> anyway um but we've got we've got a guy who wasn't who he was a natural point. we could use one of those he <laughs> <laughs> he played he played uh, point guard at Wake Forest. We've got two other guys who are natural point guards. Brad Davison is not going to be the primary ball handler. Uh, he can handle it, but it's a hard sell on that one that he's going to be the primary ball handler. They would much rather, I think, put the ball in Hepburn and Bowman's hands and Neath's even because they're more natural creators of shots than uh, Brad Davison is. Brad Davison is reliable, but in terms of running him at the point, 
that would almost be that would be like the the, he's better off the ball option and His he's whole just better. Been better off the ball. Yeah, I am. You don't want him. Matt, I agree with you guys. Last so yeah, he's much better off defending um, off the off the primary ball handler than he is. His lack of quickness really He's not a good initiator. Like, we've seen four years of Brad Davidson. He's not getting easy buckets for other people. He's not breaking down defenses. Yeah, I I sell that as well. All right, last question. We'll just do a quick one. Buy or sell, team is currently constructed. No other transfer comes in. Is this a tournament team? I'll go first on this. Um, Honestly, it's – I'm going to just say I don't know because until I actually see them on the court together and watch them play – it's really hard to get a feel for what these guys are. The combination of Hepburn and Bowman or Hepburn and Davison on the court could be anywhere from a total train wreck to being a really solid Big Ten backcourt. And I think I'm I'm actually fairly high on uh, Carlson in the front court. I think he will be a productive player this coming year. I mean, we're asking for a lot to go right. I think Moores will be productive coming in. It's... The Badgers have this way of just ending up better than what we're expecting them to be when they're young like this. They they really don't seem to struggle as much with growing pains as some of the other teams do. Then again, it's Greg Gard, it's not Bo Ryan anymore. So it's really hard for me to look at it and say, this is going to be a great season. I am going to need a buy or sell from you, though. Yeah. All right, I'm going I'm to go ahead. I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to sell okay. until I get to see more information on them. I am going to, I'm going to cross you up here. I'm going to cautiously buy, but I'm going to buy depending on whether or not they get an experience big through the transfer portal. Oh, but that's if not the criteria. Ex- he asked you, he said yeah. based oh, off. Current no, no, no other transfers just as constructed no right other now. Transfers. Is Alondo Tucker allowed to play? <laughs> no, <laughs> sadly, no. I am going to still very cautiously buy. Uh, I just, I don't put anything past the Badgers. And for them to be an NCAA tournament team uh, wouldn't stun me. So I'm going to still cautiously buy on that. I think there's enough talent there that they could make a late run in the big and potentially sneak in there as like a eight, nine or 10 seed, even an 11, even in a play-in game. Something that really needs to be accounted for that most of us aren't thinking about. We're looking at it in terms of this year's league a lot is leaving the big 10. So we're not going to be the only team that's taken a, a big step back in terms of experience. Iowa has They're, been nuked. Yep. Yep. A lot of, a lot of teams and whether Illinois lost a lot, even, even that, well, not even just that it's the teams that, that still have some talent. A lot of it is transferring like Indiana has on paper, a solid team, but they have a bunch of guys who have never played together. So it's like you never really know what you're going to see with some of this stuff. So it's really hard to take a look at it. I mean, if they get hot and they start playing above their age, they definitely could do it. I, it wouldn't shock me. I'll say that for sure. Um, but it's it's a lot to ask. So let me just finish up with the buy or sell on this. I am also going to buy on this. I think I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I agree with John. I'm going to cautiously buy. I like the collection of young talent, and I, I trust Guard as a coach and a developer. So I'm also going to cautiously buy as we wrap up uh, kind of the basketball talk for the show. All right. On that note, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and discuss a little bit of uh, spring football here, guys. All right, thanks. Welcome back to Whittling with Walt Whitman. This is Justin. <laughs> that is not the show that we are doing. That's a let's, let's totally keep going, different podcast. This is the, this is the, the Bucky cast. <laughs> That's our other podcast. Sorry, people. You have to look for that one on iTunes. Um. <laughs> We're going to take a look here at spring football. And one of the big things that's been coming out of the news has been that the wide receivers have been performing really well. Um, Obviously we have Davis back. We have, you know, the other young guys and it sounds like AJ Abbott's finally taking a step forward. It sounds like our boy Chandler is also taking a step forward. And the question now is, is that the running game, effectively right now i think there's a homeless woman with a shopping cart that's playing tailback for us right now looking good um, too yeah she is man her shopping cart is effective insane. as a lead blocker, <laughs> yes, so. but yeah the the question is is will the offense be kind of transitioning a little bit here out of necessity to a little bit more pass heavy 
you know, do we need to lean on that passing game a little bit to open up the run a little bit more than we're used to? I think that's an interesting question. I think there's a lot of things to look at there and unpack. Um, I'm going to kick it off to you guys, and I want to see what your thoughts on it before. I I have a couple thoughts myself, but I want to well, go. We'll kick it to you first, John. Well, first, wait, just, wait, why does John always go first? Because I'm older right? and wiser than you are. Like invariably, okay? you why. kick it to John. I just want to point that out. But go ahead, John. Well, he is my favorite son. God. So, I mean. Is that East Coast entitlement kicking off here from Ryan? I know, right? <laughs> Get back to your hazy IPA, you. <laughs> um, anyway, just so that people know, uh, when Justin says our man Chandler, he's talking about Devin Chandler, who is uh, going to be a well, essentially a true freshman again, although he is really a redshirt freshman. And he's had a red fresh, a redshirt freshman in like the traditional sense of a guy who's effectively not played. Yeah. I mean, he's, so, he did have some snaps last year, but he's not a guy who had but, the four. But he, he flashed quite a bit last year. Um, the top six right now at Wisconsin, you know, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, who are both seniors returning for, for Danny Davis a fifth year and for Kendrick Pryor a sixth. Uh, who both had their seasons cut short by concussions, um, evidently serious concussions that we didn't know about. Uh, Jack Dunn, who essentially was thrust into the role of number one wide receiver, a role that he's not really meant to play. Uh, but he is also coming back for sixth year. Uh, Shimmery DK, who had a great freshman year for a wide receiver at Wisconsin, uh, advanced skills, uh, lots of speed. A.J. Abbott, who has done um, virtually nothing up until now, and but in this uh, spring practice has been talked about constantly by the coaches and the players as emerging. And Devin Chandler, who, like I said before, flashed quite a bit. That's six good wide receivers, or at least experienced wide receivers for Wisconsin, which is something Wisconsin hasn't had in years years and years on top of that they also returned jake ferguson who is you know their their number one tight end hayden rucci who was the number two tight end didn't get a lot of passes thrown his way but potentially you know this is the time to take a jump this would be normally his sophomore year jack eschenbach a former walk-on who was a wide receiver uh in high school who has now pumped himself up to 250 pounds almost and six foot six and who has also been talked about a lot in uh, in spring camp as someone who has emerged. That's a lot of passing options. And Graham Mertz is, in case you haven't heard this, anyone, the highest rated quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history, um, has now had a full year under, well, most of a year under his belt, and is still considered a redshirt freshman. Um, is this the sign of a new era offense for Wisconsin because they don't have a lot coming back at running back. They have Jalen Berger and a whole lot of unknowns and Jalen Berger's a little banged up here in spring. So essentially uh, we have a, a uh, red shirt sophomore walk on who has switched between safety and running back in Brady shipper who has been taking most of the carries with that in mind. And with the shuffling along the offensive line that's happened, does Wisconsin go a little more pass heavy this year i think it's a legitimate question to ask and i think that they kind of almost have to uh especially considering the fact that um you know the the run offense they had last year it it, it wasn't good uh jalen burger had his moments but other than that it was a lot of guys running into the line and getting the three yards they could and that was about it so i think honestly this is going to be the be the year when they start passing it a little bit more. Yeah, I would I would say that Paul Christ, like Paul Christ is cut from a certain cloth and Paul Christ wants to run the ball, but Paul Christ also isn't isn't stupid. Like Paul Christ understands people, he understands weapons, he understands offense. And there's been plenty of examples in the past where Paul Christ has leaned on guys like Joel Stave when the running game hasn't hasn't worked. Like he's he's in a very intelligent offensive mind and he's I don't think it's going to be difficult for him to look at the the stable at receiver the stable at, at tight end and even pass catching options out of the backfield, Graham Mertz and a more athletic offensive line. And then also look at, you know, the struggles we've had running the ball last year and potentially this year, I think without question, I'd be stunned if the run to pass ratio doesn't tilt more towards the pass side. 
it's never going to be a run and shoot offense. It's never going to be um, Baylor. It's never going to be that type of thing. But a hundred percent, I think well, wrist is going to. Let's not let's not drag out. Let's not drag out the run and shoot. I mean, it's uh, just. I think it, it's inevitable. This is the ebb and flow of, uh, of of the talent that we've recruited, both on the receiver receiving quarterback side and the lack of talent we've we've either recruited or developed healthy on the running back side. Like Paul Christ is going to go where the weapons are, and more of the weapons are on the passing side this year. And and we hate to shove uh, Isaac Garendo and uh, Julius Davis into the uh, rust bin of of I'm sorry the dust bin of Wisconsin running backs, but Isaac Garendo just keeps hurting his hammies, and for a guy who relies on his speed a lot, that's bad. Well, here's the thing with hammies um, too is. This is a speed or not. Garendo's had yeah, hammy issues matter. since he high school. So when you when you really read about the issues Garendo has has had, which is a total shame because he's a 220 pound sprinter. I mean, he was the best receiver in Indiana the year we recruited him. It's a it's an absolute travesty that we can't get him on the field. It just sucks. But hamstrings are a chronic issue, and they have been babying him. When you read about the way they they've handled his reps, they baby him to try. Baby's the wrong word, but they they limit his reps to try to keep him healthy. And even at that point, he can't keep his hamstrings healthy. Like I think the writing is on the wall, unfortunately for for Garendo, and that that's incredibly unfortunate because I'm sure there's nothing more he wants to do than get on the field. But that's an indictment of the running back depth. And if we can't keep running backs healthy, and we have this stable of six quality receivers with quality tight ends, we're going to pass the ball more this year. It's just I think that's a natural evolution of the talent that we have. And Paul Christ is going to go with that flow. All right, my perspective on this, it's going to come down to what Graham Mertz is this year. Um, it's, if he has, if he's able to adequately read a defense and make the correct decisions, then yes, I think they will end up passing the ball more because I think that gives them the most opportunity to be successful. Um, I do think that there are some things in the offensive line that will make this a better line than what we saw last year. However, you both are right. I think that the running back stable right now is about as bare as it gets at Wisconsin. We're we're a step above what it was in what was it, 2016? When Alec Ingold was getting plenty of carries. Yeah. And I I I am I'm a firm believer that Quan Easterling is a nice hybrid guy there who probably can run a fair bit. He's not a traditional t- uh, Wisconsin. He's fullback. no Matt Bernstein. <laughs> no, okay. well, nobody's Hebrew Matt Hammer. Bernstein. He was like 260 pound guy hurtling over people. Maybe he is though. Maybe Quan yeah, Easterling's a, insulted. He was by the an fact absolute that we're talking about. Uh... Well, he's 230, so he's definitely not <laughs> But he he's a smooth runner for a fullback, and that this is the thing that I liked about him to begin with, where I thought that he offered a little something different than some of the other guys that we had coming in there. He is more athletic than our traditional fullbacks, and that's not a knock on our traditional fullbacks. He's a guy who is closer to being a tailback than any of our fullbacks normally are. Can he can he find um, a hole better than Nikia Watson? Because he's a little bigger than Nikia Watson. Probably, given that Watson was a vision was a huge shortcoming for him. Wide receiver, and we didn't even get into the two young guys coming in, and Skylar Bell and Marcus Allen. Who knows what those two guys? That's a tough I mean, battle. That's a, a guy that's a who could legitimately guys, push. Though. It is, but he has the physical attributes that are something that we don't have a lot of. Let's stay with six, yeah, six wide receivers for Wisconsin because we're not. I'm saying there's we're not going to be. What I'm saying is that I'm not even. I'm not even going into specifics there. I'm strictly saying there is a glut of possibilities there where there is not at running right a glut. Sorry, glut. That's a a muscle. (laughs) There's a positive. Buttload of wide receivers. We have, we have to. We have to stop Gluteous, you when you're saying glute. Glut. All right. Thanks, oh, guys. Man. But there is a glut. Cut there is that. a glut of receivers. No, no, there is a glut of receivers. There's more. There's definitely more wide receivers have, this year than we've ever had. We, we have more options at the position. But here's the thing with Chris too. Like Chris is always going to Im- implement a running game, right? Like we all understand that. Well, yeah. that, that I will still likely be more run than pass. Right, because even even what will be more productive is the passing game this year. You could see the statistics balance more. Well, even the thing is though, like and Kyle Shannon talked about this once. The 49ers coach and the former uh, the son of Mike Shannon, who always had great running games. A quote he and I'm going to butcher the quote, but he essentially said, "Even smashing the ball into the middle line of scrimmage for two yards a game." 
it, it's, it makes a difference. It makes the defense respect the running game. And Chris has a bit of that mentality. So we're always going to run. But I do think that the, the balances shift out differently this year with the receivers that we have. I think Paul Chris is going to have to get more creative in how he runs the football. Uh, right. We're going to have to, there's going to be, if you thought there were a lot of wide receiver uh, end arounds before, there's going to be quite a few. And uh, he's going to find ways to get it into the hands of the fullbacks and run more, uh, more versatile packages uh, just to get the football moving forward. So I don't think we can necessarily say, you know, okay, he's going to go 60% pass. He'll probably still, you know, be like 55, 45. Yeah. It's going to, at maximum, it's going to be 45% pass, 55% run, and they'll figure out a way to divvy those carries up. It will, you know, Berger is getting at least 20, 20 to 25 you're probably going to see somebody will get 10 carries besides that. But I will be absolutely shocked if the ratio is more pass than run. I don't think that's ever happened in the last. Since Barry Alvarez took over as coach. How about that? Yeah, that's, it's gotta be about that. So yeah, I, it it hasn't happened in, in modern day Wisconsin football. We have never had more pass than run. And I don't anticipate that even with if, – if we can get a walk-on defensive back to be productive at running back and still run the ball more than pass, it's not going to happen. The walk-on defensive well, we are because Brady Shipper is a converted yeah. Brady yeah. Shipper is a converted defensive back. So, <laughs> you know, that's what we're looking at. Well, Berger is better than anything we had that year. I mean, that's hands No, Berger's super tough. Now he's just got to stay healthy. Yeah. Like like all of them, they just have to stay healthy. And really quick, well, I know we're, we're going to wrap up on this topic, but this could all be a moot, like a moot point if Julius Davis gets healthy and Garendo's hamstring feels better. Like I was there is totally talent. waiting for you to call it a mute. I was totally waiting for you to call it a mute point. But, come on. Okay. Come on. <laughs> but there, there, are, there have been a lot of injuries here that – could wrap up by the time fall camp happens. And then maybe we're not really making a big, we're making a mountain out of a molehill to some degree. Well, and one of the young guys could flash. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Dude, it's, it's spring I don't football. feel strongly about any of them. It's but. spring football. We're going to yeah. make mountains out of every molehill. That is okay. true. Because <laughs> we have nothing I, else to I do. I don't think this is a mountain out of a molehill because if, if we have four wide receivers that we're confident in and we have, and Graham Mertz looks like he knows what he's doing out there. I don't see a problem at all with him saying we can be our best version is to have this group. All right. We're going to take a quick break here again, guys. And we're going to jump back and discuss defense a little bit. You're listening to the Bucky cast where we believe wings can be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All right. Welcome back to the Bucky cast here with John and Ryan. We're going to discuss the defense a little bit and kind of the, the things we're hearing about the players coming into this spring practice here. Um, there's been a lot of news coming out. There's certain positions that we've really enjoyed hearing about outside linebacker. Clearly a lot of depth that we're hearing about. Another big one that we're hearing about is Hank Poteet, the new cornerbacks coach making some changes to how we're handling the defensive backs for this year. Kind of heard some things that he plans to be more aggressive he plans to be more physical at the line in press coverage, which is something that we played press coverage fair amount over the last several years, but we weren't super physical. And there's something to be said there. I think some of our corners are a little undersized, and that might be why we didn't let them really get involved in it. But it just sounds like we're really going to take a more physical approach there. Um, the other being the last thing I want to touch on here is Ross Kalaji and the defensive line sounding like we legitimately are trying to push for a more um, aggressive and disruptive defensive line this spring. Um, it sounds like there may be a transition happening there, switching from the two gap. Uh, for those of you who don't know a lot about two gap defense and the three, four, what a two gap is, is you play head up on the man in front of you and you read the gaps to figure out which way the play is going. So the defender is going to decide based off of post snap, what the lineman is trying to do to decide which gap they're going to attack. Whereas with the one gap, we will be attacking a certain gap and trying to be disruptive and shooting the gaps and breaking up plays. 
that sounds like we will be doing more of that. It sounds like we're recruiting to that a lot more based off the guys that Kalaji seems to be going after. Um, to me, I'm a little apprehensive about that, given how good we've been against the run in the past. But I do think it is an interesting thing to see when it comes to the the potential pass rush ramifications. What do you guys think? Should I take this, John? Or Brian, yeah. what do you have to say, Ryan? <laughs> there we go. Me go first. For, for those of you, for those of you who didn't hear earlier, Ryan got a little upset that he wasn't getting asked to go first. So I'm going to go cater to Ryan a little bit. And Ryan, what are your thoughts? Now this feels a little, a little <laughs> less cool. Now that you patronize me. <laughs> um, you know, so like a lot of this, honestly, a lot of this I put into the the drawer I call Coach Speak. I don't completely buy all this. I really don't. Like I, I've, this isn't the first year we've heard the defensive line. It really isn't at Wisconsin. The first year we've heard defensive linemen talk about we need to be better playmakers. We need to make uh, more more hits on the quarterback. We need to be more disruptive. It's it's not. No no no. Hold on though. Hold yeah, on yeah. though. This is the first time we've heard the defensive line coach emphasize that. Yeah, I still think you're going to have a guy like Benton who is is really suited to be a two gap guy. I. I, well, but Keanu Benton is at the same time a whale. Here, here's uh, the deal. So... Let, me, let me jump in here for a Wait, second. I thought this was my it's, time. It's not what a, happened? It's not a, <laughs> I, you are going to go first. You were terrible. We're, we're coming back. Terrible. What I'm going to say on this, what I'm going to say in this is a thought just to put out there. It doesn't have to be either or. No, it doesn't. It could be situational. And I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think um, it's never, and, and I think even before it was never either or. Like, this this idea in the three four that the defensive line has to eat blocks and can never make plays has always been a fallacy, right? A defensive line coach has never said if you can beat your block and go sack the quarterback, don't do it, right? There's always been an opportunity for defense line to make plays in our defense for since the beginning. Benton of against Ohio State, Abs- absolutely. He whipped that center. He she shot the gap. absolutely. Did he, you know, um, coach Coach K has never said would never have told defense lineman like, hey, if you can beat the block, don't go hit the quarterback. I do think that. There, there has been more talk from the defensive line coach, Coach K, Kalaji, and there has been more talk from Botit about changing up a little bit what they're doing. And to me, the interesting thing is this all comes from Leonard, right? There, Potit's not going to go out. Coach Potit, the, the, the new cornerbacks coach, isn't going to go out on a, a limb and say, "Hey, I want to play this day without clearing that through through Coach Leonard. So I think we're seeing a philosophy shift at the highest level, and that's trickling down to the new uh, positional spots. So I think Leonard wants to be more physical. I think he wants to speed the game up. I think he wants to be more physical on the edges, and I think he wants his defense line to be more disruptive. And we've seen a recruiting move in those directions. So I think he's totally good with this. And now he has position coaches in place that are going to be um, teaching those components of the defense. Well, I think part I'll, – I'll jump in here real quick. Um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that he doesn't want our pass rush to be so dependent on our outside linebackers or linebackers in general so that some of that pressure can be taken off them that they don't have to get home every time. If you have guys who can pass rush, and I do think Henningsen is definitely a guy he's proven in the past. Now, some of it may be coverage related, but I think he's a guy who is physically capable of whipping his man. Same with Benton. Um, I think there's guys that they have, and I think Thompson's another guy that they're high on from that aspect who has very, who has great quickness for a defensive lineman. Um, but they want guys who don't put all that pressure on linebackers and, you know, can add a little something here and there. Well, and I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to bust in. Um, Wisconsin has definitely gone um, from bigger to, or I'm sorry, from smaller to bigger to smaller again on the defensive line. Uh, there was a time when we were trotting out three 300-pounders on the defensive line and saying, you know what, there's five offensive linemen. Can you at least occupy four of them? And that's not the case anymore. Uh, if you look at all these defensive linemen, a lot of them have lost weight to play on the defensive line. And in the way oh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. I think they're looking at what is the best – body type for each guy at this point. And I think that's part of it. Like Williams is a guy I think that they thought him carrying 300 plus was just not suited to him. Well, it was affecting him physically. And he said that Williams said that as well. Williams came out and said like that weight was too much for me. 285 works for my body. 
And that's a plenty big defensive lineman, by the way, at the college level. 285. They, they have another 300-pounder totally. in Geo Paz. And I think that, that Henningsen's, what, 290? He's a big boy. 295. Yeah, he's a big yeah. guy. Um, but they aren't huge. You know, we're not seeing a lot of 6'6", 310 Benton's the only pounds. guy that's 310 plus. Yeah. yeah. And but but Keanu Benton is is built for that sort of, yeah. of weight. He's he's, he's at a six thick foot guy. at yeah. six foot four. He, he can handle three hundred and fifteen well. pounds, no problem. Um, but we even see that in recruiting now. There was almost a sea change between when uh, Coach Noakes left for Vanderbilt and when uh, Ross Kalashi became the defensive line coach. Uh, in terms of the players that they were going after, there was a little bit of overlap, but you could tell almost from the moment that uh, the coaching change happened and people started to hear from uh, Ross Kalaji, they started talking about the fact that uh, he was advertising a different kind of defensive line. And I think that carries a lot of weight with the players. I think it carries a lot of weight with recruits. You're no longer being asked just to be a guy on the line who's eating blocks and uh, isn't expected to do a whole lot else. That, I think, is a net positive. Now, for, for Hank Pote to say, we're going to be more aggressive at cornerback, we have to, we that has to be proven to be effective at Wisconsin first. Your technique has to be flawless at that. And you really better jam your receiver at the line. And I uh, hope he doesn't get free because uh, with more aggression at, at corner, there come more risks. And mm-hmm. either the, the pass rush has to get there or, yeah, you've got to have great safeties on the back end. And right now, no offense to Scott Nelson or Colin Wilder, we do not have those kind of safeties who can cover a ton of ground in center field. And so this is going to become a, a, a selling point, I hope, in recruiting to safeties saying, you know what, um, traditionally in the NFL, you're going to have to cover a lot of ground out in center field. Um, I hope that becomes the case. But for the corners at Wisconsin right now, I don't know we ha- if we have enough big physical cornerbacks to uh, uphold that, that sort of defense. And that's my main worry with this is if we become that much more aggressive, do we have the corner talent to maintain that level of aggressiveness? And I don't know that we do right now. Well, part of the most frustrating thing is every one of our corners from recruitment to time they set foot on campus here and get weighed and measured has shrunk. <laughs> most of them are like six yeah. foot. Oh, now they're five ten. Oh, right. okay. Not Al Ashford. <laughs> Who's one of my favorites? Oh, don't you be pimping Al Ashford um, again. Al Ashford has enough ability yeah. to, to pimp himself that so, you don't need but, to be but carrying Max, his water. Max Laffey was another guy who was like 6'1", and now he's like 5'11", 5'10". 5'10", I think he's what he's listed at, Max Laffey. Do you guys think, on the defensive line, do you guys think that we have the talent in-house right now to be successful with a more attacking style? So, and let me before you even answer that, let me go to Matt Henningsen really quick. So Henningsen had four sacks in 2019. You have to go back to Alec James to find a defensive lineman at Wisconsin that was more disruptive than Matt Henningsen. That whole defensive line was more disruptive. Oh, that defense with Chico. Chico That's why I say Alec James, yeah, yeah. They went from smaller to bigger to smaller. So do you think a defensive line headlined with Benton, Henningsen, and probably Isaiah Mullins is athletic enough to go away from what we've been doing to transition into that one-gap attacking style? Here's the deal. I think part of the reason they haven't been more disruptive is simply the fact that we have not had the depth. And they were afraid to let these guys run loose and get super aggressive because if you're running that or attacking that much, guys get burnt out and suddenly you're leaving holes open on when they're trying to run the football. I also think it's top end talent yeah. though, really quick. I think I don't think Garrett Rand and Watermilk were disruptive, even if they had the depth behind them. I think Rand had it before an injury. I don't think he returned with the same level of, of push of burst after he came back. Well, and to be honest, okay, um, Wisconsin has, in in Justin's words, a glute of talent glute. at um, a defensive line. <laughs> we have a lot of defensive linemen, but um, defensive line is an emphasis point in recruiting for this 2022 class. What does that say about the depth that? at the defensive line, do they trust it? 
uh, to be able to go more aggressive. There so, are a lot of projects, but I think they're looking for guys who listen, we, the guys that we have there, none of them for the most part are guys you look at and say, this guy was a freak athlete. There were some guys who had some good frames and guys like McDonald sounds like, uh, who's the offensive lineman that's coming over this year, Barton. Um, and they're, they're guys who are six, five, six, six, and they move fairly well, but I don't think any of them are guys you're looking at and saying, these are guys that are going to be blowing up the offensive line and getting sacks. They're looking for guys in that six, three, 270 pound range that can attack. So they're looking for lighter guys. Isn't, isn't everybody looking something... for like that type of guy though? It's that's a, that's a technically a four, three defensive end. It's basically what they're looking for to run as our outs, our ends in the three, four now. And I th- I'm okay with that. Like, I don't see a problem with running that at the college level in the NFL, you might get exploited, but I don't, I think in college you can get away with it, but all right, on that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and we're going to finish up for this week. I want to thanks every, and thank everyone for listening. There's a glute of you out there. That is really, uh... There's a glute of you guys. <laughs> All 20 of our listeners. Yeah. That have really made you know this an enjoyable experience for us. Uh, we're glad to see you guys listening. On. The numbers have been pretty consistent. Um, once again, I want to thank you guys for listening to Whittling with Walt Whitman. <laughs> and we hope to hope That's you listen not to our the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys, for uh, listening to the BuckyCast. Once again, our Twitter handle is at the BuckyCast, and our email is thebuckycast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Peace See out. you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the BuckyCast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.